Medical information obtained from our website or the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If your pet has or you suspect they might have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of All Paws Pet Talk, this radio show, or their sponsors. Listening to Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. And it's been a week since I last did a live broadcast for this network on my Smart Animal Talk show. And right after I got off the air, as often happens, there's something in the news that I'm dying to talk about. And I think, oh my, I, I, I gotta wait six days. Six days? Well, if you were listening to all that stuff about hunting and the trophy hunting and the the two different Americans who are in the news for improperly, perhaps illegally hunting in Africa. Oh, I'll be talking about that during the show because it's been killing me to wait six days. So listen up for that later in the show. You're listening to Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio with me, Deb Wolf. And if you ever want to see or hear more of me, you can go to DebraWolfOnline.com where I have some of my best shows from this network and some really adorable standard poodle pictures because that's right, I had seven I got down to one. Now somehow I'm back up to three, but that's how it goes when you have to replenish your breeding stock. So I still have great footage of adorable puppies. You just have to check it out at DebraWolfOnline.com. Our first guest today has something that's hip, maybe in a way you don't think, the hip clip. So we're going to talk to Allison Carmack about that. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you, Deb. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. So, will I be hip if I get your clip, or are we talking something entirely different? (laughs) No, absolutely. The hip clip is a fabulous new product on the market that I think um, serves the purpose for most everybody in every walks of life. So, it's spelt with a K, hip clip, and uh, what is it? Can you describe it for our listeners? Absolutely. The hip clip is a clippable mini pouch with um, cell phone pocket. It has two interlocking rows of teeth, so it goes right to the top of your pants. There's no need for belt loops. Um, you've got uh, our standard pockets have two zip protections in the front and an open slip pocket in back. So basically, you are just hands-free to go about your day, to multitask, and not have to be toting around a, a pocketbook on your shoulder. Oh, you know, well, I guess I, I, I'm going to have to admit to you that I put mine in my bra a lot of the time because I've got nowhere else oh. to stick it. Oh, I'm afraid so it's going to get wet. Oh, well, I'm afraid it's going to get wet if it's in my pocket and I'm walking dogs and they're brushing by me or it's going to fall out of a loose hoodie pocket into a pond or something like that. So, I mean, we're safer than, you know, where nobody goes right, right there, but Absolutely. really, it changes the look of the outfit. It's not the ideal way way to wear your cell phone. I think the hip no, clip is a much no, better idea. So many more attractive ways. The hip clip <laughs> came about just as you're saying for for people who multitask. You know, we are not just a stay at home person any longer. We are being pulled in multiple directions all day long. I mean, I have children, I have pets, I am constantly on the go. And the hip clip came about just serving that purpose and fixing the need to not, I don't need something else to babysit. Um, and I want to have quick and easy access to my cell phone. I want to have quick and easy access to all of my bare essentials, my cash, credit, ID, lip balm. Um, you can use it as a bait bag, just anything to keep you hands-free and on the go with all of your items securely attached to you. Okay, I saw that item in, in, in the write-up, the bait bag, and I thought, what are they talking about? Are you talking about fishing? Well, a bait bag for um, people, like pet owners who are training their dog. Um, oh, like lure, like dog treats. That, oh, I'm yeah. understanding now. Okay, I was picturing like worms, but I guess I guess you, <laughs> you could use it as a bait bag. But it sounds like a, a, a nice-looking garment to be using for stinky old worms. Okay, I'm understanding you now. So when you lure train, when you train a dog with food, or even if you don't train your dog with food, sometimes it really helps to once in a while give that dog a cookie. And I'll give you an example. I 
I often will take dogs out on huge hikes and walks. And at the very end of the walk, I'll, I'll have placed a little cookie on the edge of my bumper on my car. And if it's still there when I get back, what happens is I tell the dogs, go find the car. And when they find the car, they get the little cookie. That dog love will be it. able to get you unlost from then on. From then on in. Because the thing is, your dog always knows where your car is. He just doesn't know that's what you're looking for. So I'm pretty lousy at direction. I love to go hiking and walking with dogs in the bush. And for me, this is, this is just so easy. So there's lots of uses for treats. Another, another use would be to keep it on the walk with you, to have treats with you. Because when your dog does something exceptional... Kind of like when you give you a kid a sticker. You want to reward them. Yeah, you want it special. More than the usual good dog. More than the usual head pet. I mean, he just left an overturned garbage for you. Okay, time for a treat. You don't want to be competing right. with disobeying you equals food and listening to you equals hunger. No, 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 no. You come to me, I'll always, I'll always take care of you. So, okay, right. so we got the... And uh, it's not the just about, yeah, it's not just about keeping treats. You have children, you, you go hiking, you're active, you're moving around. I mean, what better, what, where, where better place to keep your phone than in your bra where you want to, if you're not wanting to answer your phone or check emails, which is what we do, what I feel like I do most of my day, but there are so many times I just want to take pictures, whether it's of my children or of the scenery or where I'm at. And I want my phone, my, my, my phone, which is now turned into my mobile camera, which I'm sure most people use it for as well. well that's I it. Yeah, for anybody rolling their eyes free. thinking, well, why don't you two get away from your phone? You know what? All those gorgeous pictures you see of the dogs out at Camp Good Dog, I wouldn't have those if I didn't snap them with my phone. Right. So, right. you know, and the kid pictures. In your bra, you know, you're moving around. Even then, you have to be conscious of where your arms are going and what you're doing so it doesn't fall out and hit a rock or land in the water or fall in the stream, you know, what have you. Oh, I've left my phone so many places, and I've had it fall out on me, and I've had it smash on concrete. I now have the impenetrable case and the case over the case, everything you oh. put, the glass screen cover. But even still, you know, the, the more I protect it, the bigger it gets, the more of a pain it is to stick in my pocket or, right. you know, other right. places. So, I mean, you know, I'm I sure a lot of you are carrying your phone around in your pocket. And that's also a concern because it's not supposed to be in your chest pocket near your no, head. No, it's not. That concerns me. But also um, just just having it easily accessible, you know, it's it's just what, what our lives have come down to. We are, we are all multitaskers. None of us stay at home any longer. And uh, even just doing the most mundane um, parts of your day and the aspects of your day. The phones are ginormous anymore. They're, they're, they, as the phones get larger and larger, it's more difficult to find a place to put it. I oftentimes don't have the, the pants or the slacks or the skirts that will even hold the phone. Yeah, let no, alone. the pockets are tiny. Okay, so Allison, yeah. we're running out of time. We only have a minute. Can you tell people how much and where they can get the hip clip? Prices range from $24 to $50, uh, depending on if you're buying cotton, synthetic, or anywhere in between a poly nylon. The genuine leather that we have for sale uh, are $50, and everything can be purchased online at hipclips.com. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. If you want to keep your cell phone safe and still get your doggy pics and your dog walk, check that out, hipclip.com. Stay tuned for some more Smart Animal Talk coming up. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. No more fleas and no more ticks with the No More Tick Spray. All natural, non-toxic, and even safe enough for you to use on yourself. It smells great. You have to try it. It really works. This is what I want you to do. Go to www.nomoreticks.com. Once again, nomoreticks.com. Your pet will love you for it. Go to nomoreticks.com. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. 
Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H.com. Hello! Welcome to Smart Animal Talk on All Paws Pet Talk Radio. With me, Deb Wolf. As you know, you can find more of me at DebraWolfOnline.com, including gorgeous puppy pictures and puppy video of standard poodle puppies romping around on the farm. So our next guest, and I, I swear, I will talk about hunting. I've got to get it in sometime today because there's a way to do things and a way not to do things. And some things that have been talking, talked about on the air this week have really made my blood boil because they have nothing to do with genetics and breeding and how things work in the real world of animals. So we'll be talking about that if I can. In the meantime, right now we have a guest coming up. We've got Bonnie, and she's calling us all the way from Houston, where she came up with a very unusual, cheeky kind of idea. It's Bonnie Blue with Pet Rocks, and it might not be what you think. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Okay, so what's a pet rock? I mean, is it a rock with Googly eyes and a fuzzy head? No. It's your <laughs> pet on a it? rock. It's your pet rock. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. It's, it's, you know, people bring me pictures of their pets or send me a photograph, and I paint their own pet on a rock. And it, it's really cool because they can say they're pet rock. It's not like the old pet rock, you know, that you've got nothing on there that was just a plain rock. This actually has your pet on there. Where, uh, where did you get this idea? Well, um, I got the idea to paint people on rocks like 15 years ago, and I paint people on rocks all the time. But then about halfway, about six or seven years ago, somebody asked me if I could paint their pet on a rock. I said, well, I don't see why not. So I started doing pet rocks, and I uh, I uh, do a lot of them around Christmas time. People send me pictures, and they give them the gifts. I actually really think this is a beautiful idea. I, I've seen pets painted on uh, stumps before, and, and but never on a rock. I think this sounds so beautiful. Uh, how do you pick the rock? Is it just a flat rock, or it, it, does it have a face yeah. in it? Like, no, it's just a, they're just flat rocks. It's just a it's just a surface to work on. The flatter, the smoother, the better. It's just like a, it's like a canvas, but it's a rock. So, you know, uh, how long have you been doing this? You said halfway seven years ago. So, you've been painting pet rocks for 15 years or rock people? No, for... no, about eight years now. About eight years. I've been doing eight people years. on rocks for 15. I've done about 15,000 people on rock. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's a yeah. lot. Sometimes yeah. I wonder how many dogs I've trained, but it's it's impossible to estimate at this point. So, I guess, wow, 15,000, that's a lot. That's so yeah. much. That's like what they fill a stadium with when they have but, you a know, game. You know, when people have, uh, bring a picture of their pet, it's a lot of times, you know, it's as close to them as family, their pet. And a lot of times they'll watch their pet over their kids, you know. Well, sometimes the pet deserves it more. Sometimes, you know, pets are very in the moment. They give us love and joy, and they don't give us a lot of grief most of the time. You know, sometimes we have difficult kids or difficult parents or difficult issues, right? Your dog doesn't divorce you, you know. (laughs) He never becomes the ex-husband. That's right. That's right. So anyway, it's a pleasure to be able to do this with people. And the and when they get that picture of their pet on, on a rock, and their eyes just light up. It's just such an honor to do this. I love the um, 
the pun of, you know, the pet rock and then the rock party. So what's a rock party like? I guess there's no smashing of furniture and guitars. It's a different kind of rock no, party. No, none of that. No, <laughs> no, I just work my butt off. Paint as many as I can. People, you know, people hire me for parties and I'll do, I'll do people and pets. Wow. And, um, give you know, give them an option. Now, I won't do a pet live because you're, you know, an animal's not going to look at you, obviously. So people have to bring me a photograph or send me a photograph of their pet. Now, it, I imagine this is expensive because, you know, you're in Texas, I'm in Canada. If I got you to paint my pets on a rock, I'm going to have to pay for the weight of the rock to come back, aren't I? Yeah, but they're not huge. I mail them all the time. I, you know, use those one price boxes. I had a lady send me fifty six pictures from Dallas. I just use those one price boxes. Okay, so how much is is does a norm? How big is the rock you usually send? What's a normal? Is this three feet, one foot, six inches? Oh no! What are we talking about? No, 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 no. The the pet, the average size pet rock I do is is about as big as a grapefruit. And oh, can, like a paperweight. Yeah. So for on your desk or windowsill, that's the kind of thing where you really life. have to be detailed. Yeah. You you must have great eyesight. Well, I, <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's getting better in, in a weird way because I look up close so much. But, um, but you can get a bigger rock, but it's not so big you can't pick it up. I can't get okay. bigger, you know, but I won't do anything I can't pick up. What um, other kinds of art do you do? Funny. Oh my! Uh, I do. Um, I do lots of art. I do Texas art. I I do um, hand. I do one of one of a kind of designs on boots. I I do island art. I do welding. There's not a lot that I don't do. I have my own gallery in Houston, Texas. Oh, nice. Okay, so can you tell us? If people want to look at your stuff, we still have a few minutes to talk, but if they want to look at your stuff while we're talking, if they want to see something, is there a website for your gallery? Uh, yes, yes, I have a website. It's womenthatrocks.com. Nice. Woman, womenthatrocks.com. Okay, I'm and getting it. You rock samples on there also. Yeah. And... Um, how did you start to get into art? I always wonder that about artists. You know, what makes pe someone go from working at a different kind of career and thinking, well, yeah, I'm good at art, if only, to actually going for it? Well, I've, just, I've been driven all my life. I've always been an artist. I'm a, I'm a photo restorationist by trade. I've been doing that for 38 years. Um, you know, I've always done art, always. I've never not done anything else. And it just, the more you do it, the more you, you grow, the more you, you create. And um, it just, it kind of, it kind of feeds itself, you know. But, uh, mm -hmm. I oh, I never, can see I that. You know, my main name is, my main name is Green and my married name is Blue. So I think I was kind of born to be an artist. Nice. Well, I'm glad you're not blue anymore, or maybe you're blue now, and you were green before. Oh. <laughs> Either way, you got to You got to be both. And uh, it's, if people want to see these or you want to send your the picture of the pet or person you would like put on a rock, I love the idea of it around a fireplace or on a windowsill. I mean, especially if you think about oh, yeah. an animal that's passed. Because sometimes yeah. it's just, you want to remember them, but it's hard to do it in a classy way. And th this would be a beautiful way to have a portrait of your dog or cat when he was in good health and looking, you know, sparkly-eyed and bushy-tailed yeah. and all that. And then, you know, capture that on a, on a rock. So and thank you so much for joining us, Bonnie. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Woman thank you for having me. Oh, it's been great. WomanThatRocks.com all the way in Houston. Yes. But you can get your dog or cat or person on a rock and remember them forever. Have them near you. Give a good gift to someone who's hard to buy for. This is a great thing. So stay tuned for more on Smart Animal Talk, All Paz Pet Talk Radio. I'm your doggy. I'm your doggy. And I love you. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Purr Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems. Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting, 
and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to PurSprayPet.com. That's P-U-R SprayPet.com. PurSprayPet.com. Or call us now at 386-310-3924. Scratch it. Is your itchy dog allergy sad? Did you know that our dogs suffer from the same pollen, dust mite, and mold allergies that we do? Now, veterinarian dermatologist Dr. Christian has formulated Doggy Goo. Doggy Goo is a peanut butter treat for your dog. But Doggy Goo also sublingually builds tolerance to 10 pollens, 2 mites, and 3 molds 100% naturally. Try Doggy Goo. Your dog will Doggy Goo look it up. Call 855-246-2426. The number again is 855-246-2426. Or on the web, www.healthygoo.com. Goo spelled G-O-O. Scratch it. to Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. And if you've been hanging on to hear what I have to say about hunting, it's coming, the beginning of the next segment. Because I know the guy that I've got on is the guest for the last two segments. And I know we can fit everything we have to say with him into one, one and a half. So I have plenty of time to talk about a hunting next segment. So right now I want to ask you, have you ever been walking around the pet store, maybe the supermarket somewhere, and thinking, ugh, as you go near the cat litter aisle. Ugh, I have to change that box. Ugh, that box reeks. How am I going to get my son to do it more? How am I going to avoid this? What can I do? Why haven't they invented something better? I mean, really, this has been going on for years. Is there no improvement at all on the litter box? If you've been thinking that as you walk down the aisle, you may, like me, have seen this, this new litter box, this new system, and thought... I wonder if that works, because <laughs> that's what I thought. And then I thought, you know, uh, until I know it works, until I've really sussed it out and researched it, I'm not going to go for it, but I'm going to look into it. And so that's what we're doing today. We're having Roger Peterson on the show to talk to us about the Breathe Free Litter Box System, which says it is guaranteed no odor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, that odor that comes out of your beautiful little cat. And you think, how can that smell come out of you, little guy? Okay, that, that odor, no odor for 30 days. All right. Welcome to the show, Roger. Oh, thank you very much. And hello, everyone. Okay, well, everybody out there who has a cat or visits a home with a cat probably smells the litter the moment they walk in the door. Maybe they're used to it in their own home, but other people smell it. You know, the urine sort of sits on the bottom, and no matter how much you use clumping and scrape, unless you're washing it out every week, and if you do wash it out all the time and bleach it, the cats hate it. So you can't. You're left with this slightly urine-smelling box somewhere in your house. What can we do to solve that, Roger? Well, we have developed a system. Actually, it came to us from, and everyone out there, from a volcano. That's where this mineral has been developed and built and created over the centuries. And it's a very simple product or mineral called zeolite. And zeolite's been around for years and years. It comes in a powdery form that actually absorbs paint and oil from spills. Mm, I know zeolite. They used to sell it. Oh, yeah. I used to buy it at my commercial kennel. I can't get it anymore. And at my doggy daycares, I used to use it on the carpets. And it was like a granulated sort of soft rock or hard, almost like sugar or something, almost almost like like corn. And and you would throw it on the floor and then you'd stomp it in and sweep it in and then you'd vacuum it up and it would take all the stink with it. That was good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. And it's actually like a honeycomb, the mineral, the little granular piece. Okay, because it's got a weird sort of a texture to it. It looks hard, but it isn't really. Yeah, right. It could ground into powder if you want. But what happens is that it's electrically charged naturally 
and it absorbs and encapsulates ammonia odors and E. coli bacteria, which comes from the fecal matter, and moisture. So anything left in the litter box is absorbed by this zeolite that's in a unique pad that we developed that's in the bottom of the litter box, covered by a grate, because we started, actually, by putting the pad in the bottom of the, of the box without a grate. And because kitties and cats are so inquisitive, what would they do? They'd dig to the bottom of the box, they'd see yeah. this little pad, and they go, oh, let's play with this. And they'd start pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. And after about two weeks, they'd have it all messed up in the litter box. So in some cases it worked, and in some cases it didn't. So we had to redesign and come up with a system where we have a pan with a hard bottom, you put the, litter, the, 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 the pad, if you will, which is uh, about 16 inches by 12 inches with four baffles filled with zeolite, about a pound of zeolite, which, by the way, is healthy for the cat because they actually feed it to cattle, and they actually do use it in some cat foods for cats with intestinal problems. So it's completely safe. And then we have a grate that we put over the top of it. It's not a sifter, it's a grate that keeps the pad on the bottom so the cats can't get at it, but it allows it to breathe. You put unscented, inexpensive clumping litter, about two or three, three or four inches in it, and just scoop and replace the litter as normal. And what happens is if you leave the stuff in the box for a day or you go away for the weekend, it actually hardens, all the moisture is gone, and there's absolutely no smell in the litter box. And it lasts for 30 days for one cat, maybe more. Two cats, one box, in maybe three weeks. And that's Now, how come the litter doesn't spill out onto the zeolite pad? I'm not, I, I'm not understanding well, this. Well, the pad is underneath the grate, and it does go into the pad, on, the, on top of the pad, but it, that's okay. But the okay, so that's why right you change it. it. And the, hmm? so that's why you change it every 30 days? Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, well, what happens is that the, the zeolite in the pad starts to break down and fills up with um, uh, all the uh, ammonia mm -hmm. odors and bacteria and, and, and actually changes into ammonium nitrate, which is fertilizer, okay? And now the pad is used. You just... Pull the grate out, bang it, clean off the, the grate itself, throw the litter out if you want. You can save it because it's completely clean. Pull the pad out, and because I said it was ammonium nitrate, you could snip off the top and throw it in the garden. It's fertilizer. And then you clean the bottom of the pan, and you actually only have to dust it because it's completely clean still. And then you put a new pad in the bottom, put the grate back on top, Put your litter in, and off you go for another 30 days. That wow. That's, that's amazing. I use strange things to fertilize my garden. Like people out there, if you have a dog with very bushy hair or even a cat, and you're, when you brush it, you have these mounds of fluffy cat or dog hair, right. that is really good in your composter. Don't be and wasting it, that. It's also good in your fire if you want to start a fire. But it, it, don't, don't be throwing that out. That's really good in your composter. It's about five to ten times stronger than manure and way less stinky. It can, by next spring, you, you know, it'll be dirt. So go for that. Yeah. Um, and this, this sounds very interesting to me because it sounds like a very, you're going to use less litter. You're right. going to have to clean it less. Um, and the pad itself can go right. in the garden. That's very nice. Uh, do you scoop with a normal shovel or is there some kind no, of No, it's just a normal scooper. I mean, yeah. normal we scooper. haven't so developed a special bottom. scooper. It's just a normal scooper. But the neat thing about it is that cats don't like perfume litter. They don't like the smell of it. They don't mm -hmm. like the feel of some of the stuff that's like pine and paper. And, and if they don't like something, you know, they won't go in the box. They'll leave you a little present all over the house, okay? This has no smell in it. So if you have two cats, one cat will go in, do his business or her business, and leave. And then when the other cat comes over, 
that cat can't smell anything in the box, so she's not or he's not afraid to go in. So there's no marking. So basically, there's no inappropriate elimination that they call it in the vet in the vet world. So this helps you know, cats. I find it really amusing sometimes at the kind of stuff they'll try and sell for animals, and one in particular you just hit on. They will have citrus scented cat litter. Right. Well, cats hate citrus. You yeah. you plant citrus in your garden. You put orange peels, lemon peels in your garden. If you want the cats to stay out, they don't like it. So why would you make your litter box smell like citrus? They're right. just not going to use it. That's a right. dumb idea. There's a whole bunch of dumb ideas out there on the shelves. So I'm glad you've finally come up with a smart one and improved the litter box. Everybody, if you want to check this out, it's breatheefreelitterboxmate.com. BreatheFreeLitterBoxMate.com. So, Roger, thank you very much for explaining it to us and showing us the product today. Okay, Greg, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, I've, I'm always willing to try. You know, I tried those revolving ones years ago, but you need to scrape out better than they allow you no, to. This so one, this, I, I'm this waiting for a good works. solution. Yeah. Well, I have rescue cats, foster cats, my own cats, and two kittens, so I'm willing to test it with all that we've got. All right, everybody, stay tuned. We'll be back on Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio, coming back soon. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Preen Pets, 100% natural dog treats made and sourced in the USA. Positively no chemicals and no additives. Treats, sticks, and bones made with chicken, fish, pork, turkey, beef, and vegetables. Wow, and vegetables. This is what I want you to do. Go to www.preenpets.com that is p-r-e-e-n-p-e-t-s dot com give your furry children the best nutrition for a long and healthy life go to preenpets.com your pets will love you for it hey pet lovers listen up Super Essentials, your pet's best friend. Super Essentials is an immune system builder for all the animals. 100% human-made ingredients and made in the USA. Promotes longevity, increases energy, builds healthy joints and strong bones. It builds a solid foundation for excellent health for dogs and cats. This is what I want you to do. Go to www.MotherEarthPet.com to learn so much more about this product. My producer uses it for his pets and for himself as well. That is MotherEarthPet.com. A happy pet is a healthy pet. The site again, www.MotherEarthPet.com. Hello, you're listening to Smart Animal Talk, All Paz Pet Talk Radio, and it's Deborah Wolf, and I've been promising all through this show that I would answer some of your emails and discuss the hunters, because some of you know I'm not completely against hunting and not completely for it, and you're asking me to make sense of what's been going on lately. Well, there are a few things that I want to, first of all, correct. It's been said on two radio programs that I've heard, one federal, national, and one, uh, one local, both syndicated shows, where they've interviewed experts, uh, one or two or even three, where the credentials are not clear. <laughs> and the one advocating hunting, uh, in both cases, the same guy was really, really full of 
just mistaken information and bad facts. And one of the things he said, which my email just lit up with this, people were saying, is that true? Is that really true? He said that if you only hunt the males of a species, a species that's small and endangered and, and you know, has few numbers to begin with, if you only hunt the males and you only hunt the best, biggest, brightest, most wonderful males, he said, you don't alter the gene pool and you don't affect the offspring to come because it's 50% contributed by the female and 50% by the male, so the genes are still left intact. People are having trouble understanding this, and that's because it makes no sense. The guy is just wrong. If I were to breed dogs here and I picked only the weakest males, generation after generation, you would have very weak, sick puppies. And it wouldn't matter how healthy those females were. You need, but first of all, there's so many reasons why this just doesn't work. There's certain traits that are only carried through the male line. For start, I mean, there's just so many reasons why this is not accurate. If you only hunt the best, biggest, boldest, strongest males, you really hurt the herd. In so many ways, you make the herd less able to defend itself. You change the whole natural rhythm of the herd and the numbers of the herd. And yeah, you, get, you give the weak an edge they wouldn't otherwise have, which weakens all of them over time at a time when their numbers can't handle any more weakening. So that's the main thing I wanted to address. Whether you agree with hunting for food, which I do, or not, and whether you agree with hunting for trophies, which I don't, or not, if you look at the facts of these cases, the woman uh, dermatologist bragging and posing with all these dead animals she does not intend to eat, and the man who went and killed a beloved radio-colored animal after luring it out of where it was protected to where it was not and killing it on the property of someone who's been accused and convicted of this exact thing before, uh, if you look at the facts of this and the torture the animal went through when it was then pursued, uh, you, you can't possibly believe that this was an ethical hunt. Even the people who are pro-trophy hunting are against what just happened. So now some of the airlines, American, United, and Delta, are saying they will no longer carry these parts of exotic beasts uh, that are allowed to be hunted for trophies. And I think that's a step in the right direction. American Airlines has a long way to go in my books, but at least that's one step in the right direction. So think about it. Just think about it. Do we want to be having ivory and killing all the male elephants? Do we want to be allowing this trophy hunting that preys only on the fittest, strongest, boldest males in endangered populations? Or do we need to figure out a way that these countries can make another income. So we're on Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. I talked about that because there was overwhelming emails asking me to address that, and particularly the idea that if you hurt the males, you're not hurting the population. So now we can move on and talk with our next guest. It's Tim Link. I've had him on the show before. Uh, he reads a lot about animal books, and I've had him on to talk about animal books before, but this time we're going to have him on to talk about communicating with animals, and maybe not with words. Welcome to the show, Tim. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's good to have you. This is, uh, this is a new topic for us. What is an animal communicator for my listeners? So we're all on the same page. Is this a psychic, or is this a trainer? Or is it somebody kind of in between? Is this Dr. Doolittle? What's an animal communicator? <laughs> well, I, I think if you had to label it in any of those categories, it'd probably be more like a Dr. Doolittle. Uh, basically, an animal communicator is someone who can, can uh, you know, connect with animals at a deeper level, uh, can hear what they're trying to uh, share with you, uh, work as a conduit between you and your animals, so you can relay information to them about what you need from them or wanting to tell them and in return uh, get information back from them based on what their wants and needs are. So it's uh, a little bit of everything in there. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, training that goes into it as well, because uh, once we have the communication between you and your animal and me as the conduit, we get information back, and we have to know what to do with that information. So I share with my, uh, my clients and my audience uh, tips and advice and suggestions uh, on how to go about using that information to have a great life and a great bond with your animals. Can you talk to any animal 
Like, is this just dogs and cats, or is this stuff like uh, spiders? No, it's really any animal. Uh, you know, in my latest book, Talking with Dogs and Cats, um, it deals mostly with dogs and cats because that's uh, the largest portion of our domestic animals that we have in our lives. But as you know, animals uh, are plentiful. So some of us have uh, a multitude of animals in our domestic life, as well as we work on uh, on farms and uh, zoos, aquariums, those type of things. So my clients uh, you know, are quite vast. So I've had opportunities to talk to plenty of dogs and cats, but also uh, spiders and snakes and zebras and wolves, uh, you name it. I've had an opportunity to work with them. And uh, they all communicate in the same level and same fashion. Okay, that's weird to me, what you just said, that they all communicate in the same way. And if I was trying, let's say I hated spiders, which I don't, but I don't really like wasps very much. So let's say a wasp is hovering around me, and I want it to go away. If I think go away, it comes over. I've seen this happen. Now, (laughs) so, so... What am I doing wrong in that scenario? Should I picture my foot stomping it to death and then maybe it will leave? Or should I picture it harmoniously flying off into the sunset? Like, what have I got to do? Because if I just think, go away from me, which is my normal thought when a wasp is bugging me, they'll even land on me right after I think that. It's like, oh, yeah, what are you looking at? I mean, they're, they're, they pick fight with me almost. I, I have wasps land on me all the time. Bees, too. Um, bugs in general, but but really wasps. It's, it's, it happens so often. My kids won't even, some days my kids are just, they'll stand six or seven feet away from me because there's bees and wasps around me a lot. And I don't like them, not the wasps anyway. So what am I right. doing wrong on this one? Well, you just communicated with the animal. So the animal now knows it has a conduit to communicate with you. So it's not really trying oh. to, to pester you per se or bug you or test you. It's more of that communication channel has now been opened up and wants to have a conversation with you. So simply, if you don't want it in your presence, you just say, I, I honor you for being here. I would like for you to move on because this would make me happy. And you say in a very positive tone, you're very positive okay. about the situation. You see it happening the way you want it to happen. And it will happen in that way. See, now that's what I do when I want to um, encounter it, when I'm outside and I want to, like, touch a bunny in a park or I want to get closer to a deer or something like that. I, I get the come closer is my thought, and I picture them coming closer, and they usually do. But um, but, they, <laughs> but I guess I panic with the wasps, and they just hear me. They're like, "Well, look at her. She can talk. Because I think that's most great. animals spend their lives frustrated that humans don't bother communicating. Right? Yeah, well, Most we, dogs and cats, yeah, they it, just it, don't even listen anymore because they're so used to us not, not bothering, right? Exactly. I mean, most of our conversations we have with animals, when we have them, is a one-way conversation. So we're telling mm-hmm. them what we need, to, need from them or we're telling them what we want them to do. And as you know, with any great communication, whether it's human to human or human to animal or animal to animal, it's all about communicating in a two-way fashion. So you're okay, like no way. Everybody out there on Smart Animal Talk, just keep listening because we're going to come back and do a whole segment, and Tim's going to tell you how you can tune in better. So it's not just a one-way communication with your dogs and your cats. You want to hear what they have to say? Listen up. We're going to teach you on Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Stay tuned. I'm your doggy. I'm NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you're referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com, order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. 
Hello, you're listening to Smart Animal Talk, Opa's Pet Talk Radio. There have been times in my career where I've touched an animal and right away I knew what was wrong with it. I didn't know how, I didn't know why. Nobody had even told me the animal was sick and I was there calling the owner saying, you've got to take this dog to the vet. Sometimes you get it in a flash. Time once recently I was walking, I was driving home from school and I saw this animal walking across the road back and forth, back and forth, this dog that looked totally lost. And I went up to it and I got its number and we called the SPCA and while we were waiting for them to give us the information, it just told me its name. It said, I am Bear. And I said to my kids, he doesn't look like a bear, does he? He thinks his name is Bear. And we all had a good laugh over that. The lady came back on the phone. The dog you found is named Bear. So sometimes you get these like clear, exact words or ideas or my leg hurts, lady. You know, very, very clear messages. But most of the time, it's a little more subtle than that. So we're talking with Tim, Tim Link. And uh, he's the author of Talking with Dogs and Cats. And he's going to help you right now listen better to your dogs and your cats. Okay, Tim, so what do you recommend people do to start? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is slow down. You've got to get in your quiet space. You've got to calm down. Uh, take some breaths and get yourself centered to be able to have a conversation with them. Uh, you know, we're so busy in our lives, we keep uh, you know, four or five balls in the air at one time, so it's very hard to have a one-on-one conversation with both anybody around us. So get yourself centered. Take some breathing, uh, you know, take some breaths to clear yourself. And then ask the questions. Ask it both verbally as well as using a strong visualization on what you're wanting to know about your animal or the animal you're with. And then whatever information you receive back, that is the information animal sharing. So just like in your story, when the animal is very clear about its name and what the situation was, he was using your ability to communicate with them, your empathic ability or empathy for the animal to be able to connect with them. And it was very, very clear. And so sometimes, like you mentioned, Deb, it's very clear. It comes to you in form of words, but it can also be feelings, emotions, uh, smells, senses, visions, whatever it may be in whatever fashion the animal wants to share with you. That's how they share the information. You know what I have often, and I don't know if other people have this. I have it in two ways. If my kids uh, try and give me a shoulder rub or a neck rub, their hands will get sore immediately because I'm transferring to them. And if... Uh, if I touch an animal that's in pain, a lot of the time, without knowing why, I'll hurt in a weird place, and it's where they're hurting. You know, all of a sudden, I'll have a headache behind the eyes, and, and the dog, that's his problem. He has some kind of, you know, eye disease, degenerate. I haven't read his file yet. I don't know yet. He's here for boarding, and, and you know, all of a sudden, I'll realize, oh, or, or I'll be walking, and I'll feel a little stiff, and then I'll realize, oh, he just got a cruciate replacement, you know. And so sometimes they communicate so directly, it bypasses your thoughts, right, Tim? Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, big applause to you. You're, you have an empathic gift to be able to feel things around you, feel from animals, feel from your children, I'm assuming as well, and that connection is in place. Uh, what you have to do in those situations is immediately after connecting with them to get rid of that sensation, you got to clear yourself. Do some sort of clearing practice. You know, wipe, Imagine yourself wiping it away from you or taking what's not yours and moving it away from you uh, because you want to be able to feel what they feel so you can help them and assist them. But on the other hand, you don't want to keep what is not yours. So, Tim, can, um, what's the most common problem you're asked to assist with? Uh, I think the most common ones when we're talking about cats, it's the litter box. That's the key thing. The, the cats stop using the litter box. And it's a great, uh, great situation, you know, because cats are brilliant. I mean, how many other animals can you put down a plastic bin with some uh, clay or some sand in there and they know exactly what to do with it? But whenever they're having distress, dis-ease within their lives, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, uh, they'll stop using the litter box to get your attention. And what you have to do is go back and communicate with them and find out if it's a physical thing that they need to go to the veterinarian for, or is it more of an emotional or mental thing that they're experiencing, a change in routine, change in your life, whatever it may be that's impacting them. So what do you do? Do you just sit there and ask them? Do you just, like, ask them in your mind? Do you just say, what's wrong? Why won't yeah, you use the litter box? You can ask them out loud. Uh, so basically what you'll want to communicate with them is to tell them, ask them, what the situation is, find out what they need to do about it that they can share with you, and put together a plan on how to solve the situation. 
So I want you to talk to them verbally, have a verbal conversation with them, because they definitely understand the words that you're saying. It's more than just one or two words. They understand what you're talking to them about. Also, you're sending subconsciously that visual picture of what you're talking about. And so the more uh, cognizant you are with that picture that you're sending out, the better they understand what you're trying to tell them. And in return, you've got to uh, feel positive about it and open yourself up to receive whatever they share with you. And however you're receiving that information back, trust it. Trust what you're receiving back. So if you get a, a physical sensation in your body in a certain area, that's worth checking out. If it's an emotional thing that's going on, trust that. If you get a vision or a picture or a feeling, trust that. And that's the biggest thing that you need to do. And if you get a visual of some other cat, that's what it's about. Because more often than not, it's some kind of kitty battle, some politics going on about the litter box. If you have more than one cat, you need more than one litter box. You just do. You may even need an extra one. Because you don't want any cat to have to go when somebody else is using it. Or you're going to have some problems. And if they're all in one location, one cat can resource hoard. It can position itself like the big bully, looking real mellow and relaxed. And, oh, what a good kitty, blocking the others from using the boxes. So, <laughs> like Tim said, they're very smart. And so if you ask your cat what's wrong and all of a sudden you get an image of a different cat, that's what's wrong. Okay, so um, what about... Cats who are no longer alive, cats who've passed, dogs who've passed, can you reach them too? Yeah, I'm able to communicate with them. I do a lot of work in grief counseling, so helping people when it's uh, their time to help their animals make their transition and then how to deal with it afterwards and how to get through that grieving process and understand it and actually get some you know, positive, positive out of the whole situation. Um, I think often you know, our animals do come back to visit with us, we, we feel them around us. We see their impression. Places they used to like to lay, lay that would feel warm to the touch when there's no real logical reason that it should feel warm to the touch. Uh, we'll see them in the corner of our eye or see them in a golden orb and in the corner of a window. So there's various things I think we see and feel because they do have the ability to come back. They're our furry angels, and they can come back and visit with us. Um, Tim, what about when someone asks you, they say, my cat's missing. Is he, oh, we only have a minute left. We're going to have to wrap it up soon. But what if someone asks you, is he alive or dead? Can you tell them? Yeah. So I do, that's probably what I'm best known for is my work with lost animals. So, you know, if you go to my website, wagging-tails.com, W-A-G-G-I-N-G-T-A-L-E-S.com, you can find out more about my work in, in missing animals and helping them uh, hopefully be reunited with you, with you and your family. Oh, very nice. Because if, if your animal's passed, you just want to know. And if it's out there, you want to find it. So check it out. And also talkingwithdogsandcats.com. Thank you for joining us today, Tim. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for, ha- thanks for joining us on Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio. If you want to find more of me, just go to DebraWolfOnline.com. Until next time, from Smart Animal Talk and All Paws Pet Talk Radio, and me, Deb Wolf, be good to your animals. And anytime you're